When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. My best friend, Allie. Hi, so Yay. nice to be here today. Welcome, Allie. We're happy to have you. I know you've got a crazy couple of juicy stories that I'm really interested in hearing about. I'm <laughs> excited because even as her best friend, I don't even know the full story. Um, Allie and I met about a year ago. Uh, thank God for the pandemic. She actually lives across the street from me. <laughs> Oh, perfect. Um, all of your friends live next door. Literally to all crazy. of my friends either live next door or across the street. I'm jealous. But the, the best part is like that she, she really is one of my best friends in the entire world. And Aww. it was one of those rare situations where the first day that we met was like a party that we were hosting. And it was like we were instantly best friends. It, it, it all started during a pandemic. I don't know if you've heard of COVID-19. Um, but we noticed that across the street, they were having movie nights with a projector on their garage door. Okay. Yes. So I, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so one night I was like, oh my God, we should see if we can borrow it for when Hamilton comes on Disney plus. And so I couldn't remember the man who lived across the street and I had met him once before when we first moved here, but that was six years ago. And so... I was like, I'm pretty sure their last name is like Freddy Krueger. And so I Googled it and then I found the wife. And so I messaged the wife and she was like, well, actually we're divorced now, but this is my daughter-in-law's name if you want to borrow the thing. And I was like, okay. So I messaged her and I was like, hey, uh, you know, I just, I noticed that you have movies on your garage door and you guys invited my husband over one time and I was just wondering if maybe we could borrow it um and she was like yeah absolutely and we just started talking and I was like I think you and I are gonna be best friends and it ended up being like a month before we actually met each other and then when we met each other it was like love at first sight if I was a lesbian if you live across the street (laughs) like literally that's funny well because she works from 3.30 3.30 to 4.30 in the morning until 11.30 in the afternoon. Okay. So. Yeah. Did um did you guys get matching tattoos? We actually did just get matching Was tattoos. Was that today? No, we got them like two. On Galentine's Day. We got them on Galentine's Day. That's Aww, right. Oh, how cute. So what what is the significance of the tattoos? Okay. So we both got umbrellas on our shoulders. Uh, we're both huge Gilmore Girls fans. And sometimes when we feel like getting drunk, what we do is we put hats on each corner of our TV screen, and whenever somebody on the screen wears the hat, you have to drink. Oh, and that that's is typically so done during while we're watching Gilmore Girls. Yeah, so we're usually watching Gilmore Girls. That's so cute. That's a fun idea. So literally, like it was like a Thursday, 
And we were like, we should get matching tattoos of umbrellas because there's an episode of Gilmore Girls where they jump off this like giant platform with umbrellas. And it was just like a total transformation in the main char- one of the main characters' lives. And uh, okay. since I obviously am a huge Gilmore Girls fan, uh, as evidenced by the fact that I named my daughter Lorelai, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was one of the things that we bonded over. And so we decided we should get umbrella tattoos. Um, That's so cute. So we got little umbrellas and it was super fun. We had a great Valentine's Day together. Um, we usually hang out Did every you do day. Anything with your husbands for Valentine's Day? <laughs> no, Valentine's Day and Galentine's Day are two different days. Oh, they are. What day is Galentine's Day? Uh, the 13th. The day before okay. Valentine's Day. Okay, that's perfect. So yes, we did hang out with our husbands. And thankfully, our husbands are actually best friends too. They work out like three or four days a week. Um, they're still new in their like bromance, but um, <laughs> we went out to a bunch of breweries today and they got to bond. And we pretty much decided that when the our brewery is open that Allie's husband and I are going to work at a banking establishment and Allie and my husband will work at the brewery together. Oh, how fun. Yeah. That's awesome. And we're also planning on um, when Austin and I come up to see you and his boss, uh, Allie and her husband Todd are going to come too. Awesome. We and we're to all going to go cabin. skiing, right? You're going to take yeah, us we gotta, skiing? <laughs> we got to get that cabin. Yeah. I told I told Ryan we should just invite a handful of our friends and up to the cabin and just be like, surprise, we're getting married tomorrow. Oh, my God. Am I the maid of honor? My husband and I you actually considered that. Oh, a We got married wedding? on Halloween and we were oh, like, nice. you know what? How funny would it be if we told our friends that this was a – you know, just a standard Halloween dress up in a costume. And when you get here, surprise, we get married. But we have a That's little so bit of friends that just really aren't on the Halloween train. And so oh. we're like, no, if if we tell them we're getting married, we know that we can get them to dress up in costume. So we ended up just getting married on Halloween and having a requirement of our dress code being that all guests must show up in costume. It was lovely. That's so fun. It was so much that fun. So Austin fun. and I went as uh, Bob and Linda Belcher from Bob's Burgers. Perfect. Okay, and then our neighbors slash best friends that I've talked about a million times, Jen and Brian, they I made their costumes and they they went as a pair of uh, cards humanist humanity cards. Okay, perfect. So That's the so uh, I forget what the black card was, but the white card was Daniel Radcliffe's delicious asshole. <gasps> Brian specifically requested that. Oh my god! But they had they had their reception at a brewery, and it was so much fun. Um, it was fun. We had a great time. Uh, tell them about how Todd proposed to you. Oh yeah, so, I love a proposal story. So I am a big horror movie fan. Okay. And my husband's last name is Krager. K R O E G E R like okay. Freddy Krueger almost. So okay. my hu- my now husband, knowing how much I love horror movies, um, he had one of his best friends throw a Halloween party uh, unsuspectingly. He dressed up as Freddy, Cra- Freddy Krueger. Sorry, I have a hard time defining my own last name from Krueger now, <laughs> now that I'm a Krueger. But so uh, just before the party kicked off, uh, we were there to bring over, you know, our food and help decorate. Well, 
he secretly knows of my uh, social anxiety. So he's like, I'm going to do this before the party starts with just the closest of friends. And they, and so to me, I thought they were all there to help set up for this party. And just before the party kicked off, he was dressed up as Freddie Krager and I was dressed up as Tina, you know, with a big old rip in my like nightgown with blood stains. And he uh, took his hand that had the claws on it and ripped out a fake heart. And in the fake heart was the wedding ring. And he's like, you've always had my heart. Yada, yada, yada. I love you. This is the first time I've ever actually heard the story. (laughs) I still have the heart. It's going to be have a video. Did someone take video? No, there's a few pictures, but it was so that's cheesy and cute and wonderful all together i love b-rated horror movies as is and so i was like you know that's a really cheesy b-rated engagement and this is totally up my alley i love it todd and allie are like the cutest couple like todd is so obsessed with her and todd is also really good friends with me so um, it's actually really fun because I can play like go between between the two of them and like make their little like wildest dreams come true. Because I'm like, haha, I have the magic. Yes, it's That's so much funny. fun when I want my husband to go to bed, but he is next door with my neighbor drinking <laughs> Trulies yeah. on her front porch. It's we so play much beer fun. <laughs> well, I mean, now that I have a job, like, I don't do it anymore. But whatever. You you complain. I but love you're the like, relationship you have with my husband. I do. I love her husband um he and I are very similar in personality and it's funny like we were talking today like two of my best friends and my husband are all INTJs on the Myers-Briggs scale (laughs) and like that means it's the rarest personality type like so this personality type is 0.03 percent I believe don't quote me on it I'm pretty sure it's close to that number but it is the rarest of a personality type on the Myers-Briggs scale and okay and i attract them yeah melinda does with her extroverted i'm like, like so extroverted like i love everybody i want to help everybody but like i just pick everybody I'm like, you know what it is you love the juicy gossip we I bring do. to the table because it's being an intj the j is for judgment yeah I do. and we judge so much but the i in us you know we keep it all to i myself and so i i need that little like outsource like a faucet i can't share it with everyone like an introvert i mean like an extrovert could i can't spit it out to everyone but having my extrovert best friend is i can she's like my like faucet release i I, get all my like introvert gossip and i spit it out to her and i get it out of my system it's great we literally hang out every day uh now that i'm at work like after i get off of work but this stupid hoe next to me is moving Aw, where are you moving to? Um, So we're moving off of the island about over the bridge is about 30 minutes north of where she lives. Um, But it's where the brewery is going. So I'm hoping I can convince her that she and her family will move up. Our schools are the best. It's a little bit of a small town, but I think I have other like qualities that could pull her in the the saving grace here is not only is it close to the river where we can float and get drunk um the house that she bought she got for a steal and it has three bedrooms so i can take the girls with me and we can have sleepovers and so once the girls go to bed we can get high and drunk <laughs> that sounds like perfect yeah that sounds no, like, so like 
Austin was like, yeah, that's fine. If you take the kids, like, I don't give a shit what you do. I'm like, all right, bye. Oh, God. Because Austin gets to dad's night. My kids love Allie, like, more than me. <laughs> like, oh, right before God. we started recording, we were um, having a karaoke session, which I took videos of, and we can post a clip on uh, Instagram. Yeah. But it was good. super fun. Awesome. Well, um, Allie, I'm like dying to hear your story about your mom. You gave me a little bit of a taste of what was going on, but um, do you want to just kind of give us an overview or kind of start from the beginning? What was everything kind of normal for a long time and then it just went off the rails? Yeah, so I, um, I am born of two people that met in the Air Force. Uh, my mom was in the Air Force. My dad was in the Air Force. They were both party people, and they were both stationed in Germany. And I don't know if you've heard of being stationed in Germany, but it's a big party scene. So my parents essentially had a one-night stand and pop, I come out. Hello. <laughs> and so my dad decides, you know, I'm going to be a man. I am going to step up and let's get married you know you do that early 90s kind of thing and eventually their marriage clearly doesn't last under the premise of like we're both young enlisted people getting married off the bat as most of those Mm -hmm. marriages don't after that my mom you know left the military and she moved out to the mountains and everything was great i had a great childhood my mom and i were best friends uh fast forward a little bit later um, after my mom had met my then stepdad, we were this big old honky tonk country family. My stepdad loved to fish and hunt. My step grandparents had a butcher shop. We were all Americana, as you can picture it. Something happens while we're children. We don't know too much, but uh, they separate, and my mom just kind of goes a little wild. She goes from being this young, you know, enlisted person, has kids a little younger than expected. My mom had me when she was 20, never got to really get the young life out of her system. She, you know, after she leaves my husband, she meets this man in the mountains, settles down, has this good country life, leaves him. And then she realizes, I've never experienced my young 20s. And so she just goes, Mm -hmm. buck wild. So how old was she when she separated from your stepdad? At the time, I was 12. Okay. So she was probably in her 30s? Yes. So Late 30s? Her, yeah. So she was in her 30s. At this time, um, my stepdad and her had a little girl. And at the time when they had separated, she was about four years old. Um, now, from the time that she was an infant to a four-year-old, she was immediately placed into my room. We lived in a big old plantation style house, which would have ample room, but me being the oldest child. And um, even though we had just moved to the mountains a couple years ago, it's from where my mom was originally from in the mountains. So we had a lot of the country upbringing of the mountains where the oldest child takes care of the youngest sibling. And mm-hmm. that was just natural in our family growing up being raised in the mountains. And so fast forward, my mom hits this party stage, starts dating this new dude. And I go from, you know, having my little sister where in the middle of the night I am getting her bottles, changing her diapers to a little bit older now where my mom's like, hey, bye, I'm going out clubbing tonight with my boyfriend. 
And after going out clubbing, um, I didn't know it at the time, but she was started using drugs and she started making a lot of questionable life decisions. Like she had worked for a certain very, very, very well-known uh, cancer society that offers these women's um, special spa days where they do wigs and makeups. I'm not going to list the name. My mom does not know I'm here today. I haven't talked to my mom in over 10 years, but I'm not going wow. to keep, you know, you know, I'm not going to publish certain information. Um, but so where it got to the point where, so we had these little gift bags at this cancer society where these gift bags were used for women for beauty days, where they would teach women with cancer how to put their makeup on and how to wear wigs, match things up. And, you know, with your cancer treatments, that really affects your complexion and how to hide, kind of hide that blue and purple color that you start to gain. She started mm -hmm. stealing the makeup samples and returning them to Belk. And pocketing oh. them. And she's doing this with me as now at the time I'm about 13 years old. And so she starts doing stuff like this. And I'm, at the time, I'm very, very young. I don't know what's going on. I just know that my mom's going into work. I go, I sit on the computer at the front desk and play on my space. And I just notice my mom's like going out to the, you know, one of the back closet rooms where we used to try on the different wigs as kids. And she's going in there. And so I started seeing this as a young kid. And it doesn't seem right, but I'm like, I don't, I, I don't know, you know, what it is. Mm -hmm. So I'm just left, like, I don't know. And this, I think that was the point where I like realized, like, was she ever known to steal things before, or was this a complete shock to you? So at the time, this was a complete shock to me. I did not want to believe what had been happening. I knew deep down, but it wasn't until a couple years later that I started talking to my sister. And saying, hey, did you notice these things that mom did? And it just started just coming out like a Harry Potter book, like novel after novel. And I was just like, yes, this, 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 and this. And we're like, wait, so this is actually what mom did. This was real. And that's when we started processing our childhood trauma from my mom. And because before she really was that all-Americana mom, she hosted Thanksgiving, Christmas, Easter, we were at church every Sunday and just to see this woman who, you know, she had the flip forward and half flip back bangs, yeah. like that traditional <laughs> 90s mom that yeah. you see at the church bake sale mm -hmm. and seeing, you know, seeing her start acting in this way, like, all right, this is a little sus. Yeah. yeah. All of a sudden she's clubbing and partying and doing drugs and stealing things. That's crazy yeah so um so fast forward a little bit later um she starts getting a little bit of a stable boyfriend my sister and i call him jack black <laughs> and uh because this so this was the first time that uh you know we had ever seen my mom go out and party so we just kind of like like the gambling car like jack black and so my sister and I start watching and we notice a little bit more about my mom and we notice a little bit more about him. And one of the things that we had noticed about him is he was very particular about when he saw my mom and how mm -hmm. he saw my mom. And we started listening into conversations and we found out 
that this man was not allowed out of his state of residence, which was a neighboring state to ours. Where we lived in Virginia, we lived in the pocket of three states, West Virginia, Maryland, and Virginia. We had, you know, learned that he was not allowed out of state. And um, fast forward a little bit later, um, my mom disappears on Thanksgiving. Now, did we you find out, out why he wasn't allowed out of the state? No, I wish. I still oh, want to know see to if this we can day. Pull that up. <laughs> I've tried to search him, but I think my mom gave us a fake name for him. Oh, probably. That makes sense. Because all yeah. of um so during that time period, all of her boyfriends had very like Jack, Frank, Fred, Bob names to us. Okay. Okay. So at the time we didn't think twice about it because you know, we're from the mountains. We know a bunch of like Billy Bobs, yeah. Freddie Sue's, like we know, yeah. you know. <laughs> you knew the wild, wonderful whites of West Virginia. Exactly. <laughs> so uh we didn't think twice about the names that we were given. We're just like, oh hey, hey Bob, how's it going today? And uh so uh we didn't realize how bad it was on his end where he wasn't allowed out of the state to where uh, my mom and him had went out to their like Thanksgiving Eve, you know, biggest drinking night of the year, went out partying and then come Thanksgiving Day where my mom is still, you know, wearing this 50s housewife mask is where she had volunteered to host Thanksgiving mm-hmm. Day is we wake up Thanksgiving morning. There's no turkey in the oven. My mom's, you know, not doing her normal, you know, foods assigned. Is nothing has happened in our house since we went to bed. And we're like, okay, where's mom? So did she just go oh, like wow. AWOL? Yeah. So we started calling her. Wasn't answering the calls. Wasn't answering text messages. So I had, you know, started messaging her normal party group. You know, my estranged aunts and uncles. Uh, so I started messaging like, hey, uh, happy Thanksgiving. Just by chance, have you uh, heard from my mom? And uh, she disappeared. So that was my first ever hosting of Thanksgiving by myself. And so I were you. So at this time, I was 14. Oh, my gosh. You know, but luckily being a mountain girl, I was raised in the kitchen. Luckily, I had like, you know, that 50s housewives the first like early years so I had already been introduced to the kitchen and knew how to follow a recipe and I've seen my mom cook a thousand times and cook with my mom a thousand times so you know as stressful as it was it was kind of fun to make believe that I was my mom because at this time I didn't know any better I was like yeah "Yeah, my mom's doing some weird stuff but you know imagination land as a child everything's bright and sunny were you worried that something had happened to her that she was in a car accident or something like that Honestly, that never crossed my mom. Be I'm sorry, that never crossed my mind because okay. um, I always saw my mom as like this person that nothing wrong could ever happen to. Uh, she did always have this fighter spirit to her. Um, so, for example, uh, if we were driving at night, uh, I remember numerous times where my mom would see a hobo on the side of the road and she'd pull over with just me. My sister and her in the car, no other male, no other adult, nothing. She would pick the homeless person up off the side of the road and say, I'm going to take you down to a motel. And and my sister and I at the time being, you know, at this time we were about 12 years old and this continued for years. And we're like, 
we would beg our mom, like, please do not pull over this vehicle. You do not like we are children and we are screaming, please. No, no, no. And right. like, and at the time my mom had in a little SUV to where we ourselves would climb into the trunk where you would put your groceries to avoid oh my God. being near, you know, a stranger that she had picked up off the road. Oh my God. You got, you need to go be a, a guest over on True Crime Obsessed. Jillian will set your mom straight. I am so curious. So would Ellen. Murderers. So would Ellen over in a obsessed with disappear. <laughs> yes, I'm surprised we did not end up in a ditch. I'm- I mean, for real though, like, holy shit. Like, I have a soft spot for the homeless population. My brother and my sister both work as social workers with the homeless population in Nashville. Every time I see a homeless person, I have any kind of like food in my car. Like I told you the other day, like the, uh, the institution that we both work at where I've come home with, uh, like extra food. I'm like, I ate some of it, but like, do you want it? Like, here's some water. Like I usually keep like granola bars, socks, and plastic bags and water in my car and I give it to the homeless people but like I can't imagine picking up a homeless person with my children in the car uh, picking up anyone well, well right it's just like, terrifying regardless of their their life situation but picking up an unknown person and putting them into their vehicle man you know woman non-binary whatever the the person may be is you're picking up an unknown person at night and putting them into your vehicle and your children are begging you please do not do this we are 10 years old ourselves we don't know better and we are terrified luckily nothing ever happened but i'm i'm still curious to this day is like did we pick up a ted bundy yeah no kidding. i want to know. know how some of the lives turned out for some of these people yeah no kidding obviously i think worst case scenario being in that position but i want to also know best case scenario is you know did my you know and my mom and all her flaws did she actually help someone yeah. is that's the scariest thing is because this person when they started falling down that rabbit hole is they still had compassion not towards their own children you know like i said she disappeared right. on thanksgiving but she always made it a point. If she saw someone on the side of the road, she would pick that person up and take them to a motel wow. and pay for their night. I mean, like, I can't hate on that. Like, as much as I would like I can. to. You, like- can't, you can't hate on it, but you can also see the realistic risks that it's one thing if you're by yourself, but when you have your children that are crying. No, when your kids are begging you not to, then you don't do it. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's just too dangerous. You can't take the chance. Sometimes I um, will see someone pulled over on the side of the road. Maybe they've broken down. Maybe something's going on. And a part of me goes, should I just say, hey, are you okay? Right. And But then I go, You flash back to every horror movie you've ever seen. Right. Well, I mean, it's 2021. Everyone has cell phones and roadside assistance, and we're in a city. So I don't need to pull over and check on you. Um, But it is hard to kind of train yourself out of that goodness mindset. But you have to for your own safety. I could never imagine putting some like a stranger in the car with my kid. Well, the worst part of it was is we lived at the intersection of 81 and 66. Those are the two largest intersections of highways in the U.S. And so we had a lot of truckers pass through and we had a lot of drugs pass through because that was an easy exchange point for the big drug lords where they would take out lumber trucks and hollow out the logs and pass them through that. 
you know, and that where what they would do is they would hollow out the logs of timber, stuff the drugs and end cap the logs with drugs. So just to think of like how our truck stops were of Mm -hmm. those were the type of people that were frequently passing through our community. And my mom was picking up these people off the side of the road. Yeah. Terrifying. It's just now as an adult, it's terrifying. And, you know, looking back on it, uh, it's kind of conditioned me to who I am today, where Mm -hmm. I've had to retrain myself for compassion is because previously I had zero compassion from, you know, the positions that my mom was putting me in. Mm -hmm. And so now I love to volunteer and I love to help the homeless community. Um, It's something that I love to frequently do, but it's taken a lot of work and a lot of therapy to be able to recognize like this community is not a harm to me any longer. Mm -hmm. But you can also do, you can also be a great help in a safe way. Exactly. As I know that I myself am protective because this is some to a lot of PTSD and, you know, and, you know, moving on from that, from the relationship that I had with my mother and my marriage after that, it, it just compiles it. And, but I'm glad that I've been able to look back on it and find, Hey, I can see like, you know, this is where my mom's mindset was, was somewhere positive and wanting to help someone versus, you know, at, at our guest host is here. Our guest host our, is here. Our littlest guest hostess. Whoops. Do you want to say hi? Hi. Hi, cutie pie. What's your name? His name's Allie. No, what's your name? My name's Allie. <laughs> what's your name? My name is Lorelai. Lorelai, that's a beautiful name. What do you want to say to everyone, Lorelai? Do you want to tell everyone to have a beautiful day? Yes, his name is Charlotte. You want to do something with Charlotte? Yeah. Can you say, have a good day? Have a good day. Love you. I love you. Bye. Bye. All right, go Bye. find daddy. Precious. I can't. I that I have the baby fever. My ovaries just exploded everywhere. Good night, baby. I love you. Close the door. Oh my god, I can't handle how cute the little tiny voice. I will never, ever, ever get over how cute it is when she tells me, "I love you, mommy." And right now, like. When she tells you she loves you, what she actually says is, I love you too, mommy, even though she Aww. like you didn't say anything. And Thank you. I miss I, those days. Vanessa will, just walks around with this like with this RBF that is apparently um genetic or passed down from my generation to hers, but she just walks around like sullen all the time and I'm Aww. like, I miss those days. Bless it, Jesus. Oh, teenagers are fun. Anyway, yeah. back to your story. Anyways, so yeah, so it's great that you can you can still help, you know, people in need, but do it in a safer way. I, yeah, I can't imagine how scary that was as a kid to have strangers in the car and such. It was, but, you know, as an adult, even though like through the PTSD that all of this has brought, I feel like this has put so many tools in my tool belt. I have found the best possible way to spend every interaction or every hardship that I've been through almost all of them there's still a few that I'm working in therapy but almost all of them I've luckily been able to spin to a positive and 
you know, even though it stinks having a mom that is now actively, you know, a crackhead that you haven't talked to and, you know, over 10 years when you need your mom at the most is your young adulthood, you know, it, it does still feel better that I've been able to turn these around to, you know, be positive life lessons and, you know, how can I impact my community in the safest way possible and, you know, also how can I protect myself as a young woman in corporate mm-hmm. America? Oh my goodness, the tricks that I've learned from this woman of how to present yourself. Uh, there is one instance where my stepfather was the treasurer of a very large um, animal collection for your family. I can't say it too broadly without it being easily known. Um, but it was a, a hunter's club that uh, he was treasurer of. And when my mom had left him to start this party life with her new party boyfriend, uh, we lived in such a small town that she had uh, walked into the bank, pulled out every penny this treasurer account had. Her name was not on this account. She sold my uh, ex-stepdad's truck she her name was not on the title. She knew the local DMV people. How is that even possible? And oh here's gosh. the thing is they were not in on a scam. The people who were a part of this, it was not like they were in a scam or anything. Is there a good old? They're like, oh, yeah, I've seen you all the time with so-and-so coming in here. I trust you. You're a pillar of this community. But she uh, drained this entire club's account. That is, this club oh. is a, a club well, well, well known across the country. Oh, wow. Um, and so the hometown bank, she had drained their account. Uh, they visited the DMV where she's like, oh, yeah, I'm here to just to, uh, flip this title. She flipped the title on her name by herself, sold it. Um, and, you know. So basically, I, I what I'm guessing is it was all about confidence. Yeah. Like, I'm like, supposed to be here. This is okay. Uh, I feel like you can get away with a lot if you just when you live in a small town and you just pretend that everything's normal. And and here's the thing, like this was a one stoplight town. Like you say one horse town. No, this was a one stoplight town. Can you imagine in your entire like little zip code, (laughs) you have one stoplight. And so, you know, everyone, you know, you know, Joe Bob Sue and Jilly Bob Jane. (laughs) And, yeah, and my ex-husband lived in a pretty small town. There's about 3,000 people. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there was like a couple stoplights. But yeah, I it, it is. Everyone knows everyone. You go to the one restaurant and everyone is knows each other. So yeah, I can definitely understand. Yeah. Wow. And the craziest thing is, so my stepdad and I, um, so my ex-stepdad, he is the father of my youngest stepsister. Um, mm-hmm. Him and I still have this great relationship where, um, you know, years later, my mom and him have been separated and he came to my wedding. My mom didn't come to my wedding. Oh my gosh. You know, did I'm you invite always- her? No. <laughs> oh, <okay>. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, but- no, I don't blame you. But uh, I did invite him and he's been this active part of my relationship. So I still have that. So, you know, from all of this bad, a lot of good has come. And I could have a lot of times I think like, oh, man, my life stinks. If my mom didn't do this, maybe I'd be positioned better. Maybe I would have, you know, stuck through, you know, an engineering degree or something wild like that. But at the end of the day, I, I feel like I'm a good person. I'm like, I've learned some good lessons. You know, if I go into the city, I know I can handle myself. Uh, Actually, Mm -hmm. my ex-husband, 
he had never been to the city and we were walking by and someone was trying to sell us a CD. And, but growing up in the city, I was like, and I'm sorry, I just listen to Christian music and just walk past like nothing. And my mm-hmm. husband, wait, what? You can say that to people? <laughs> like that's your easy get out? <laughs> I'm like, yeah. So my mom has taught me a lot of street smarts and I'm yeah. very thankful for that. You know, uh, actually just two weeks ago, went down to Orlando with my now husband and we went to this park. It was a little bit late at night. And but I took my dogs and was able to walk around the neighborhood with just me and my dog without my husband. And, you know, the middle of the night downtown Orlando and I felt completely safe by myself because I'm like, you know, going from a mom that, you know, goes from picking up hobos. You know, I used to DD my mom a lot before I had my, you know, learner's permit. Like I've been to some sketchy parts of some neighborhoods. And I'm like, you know what? The confidence that that gives you, if you can turn this into a positive, you're going to rock the world. And that's kind of the attitude I kind of adopted from all of this instead of just kind of us succumbing it and just, eh. See, that's kind of how I feel like, uh, like I, I say that my mom taught me how not to be a mom. So, you know, I kind of can take the trauma and all of that and turn it into something positive and say like, okay, well now I know how I felt when I was treated this way. And I don't want my child to feel that way. So I'm going to not like this is an example of what not to do. And this is where I'm going. Right. So it is it's so amazing to turn something traumatic into something positive. Um, but I do want to ask you, like, what was the final straw? Because you said you haven't talked to your mother in 10 years. So what was the final straw that you broke your relationship with her and moved on? So the final straw was I was about 21 at the time. So this took quite a while to break that final straw, but uh, Mm -hmm. I was not quite 21 yet, uh, but pretty close. And I was a nanny. And the woman that I was a nanny for, my mom was newly close friends with. And that's kind of how I got the nanny gig. And uh, so my mom had brought her new boyfriend to a party that the – mom of the child that I was a nanny for um she had brought her boyfriend over to this party on the side her boyfriend came up to me and started flirting with me and hitting on me and obviously I was like all right this is weird but I was like you know what I don't know a lot about my mom's ex-boyfriends I want to know a little bit about you so I started asking him some key points and uh, I find out that I have a co-worker that went to school with him. And uh, this guy is my age from a different, <laughs> like from like a, like not just like a couple of towns over, but we lived on the Virginia, West Virginia state line. So he mm-hmm. grew up in West Virginia, a couple of towns over. We grew up in Virginia. Um, so I found out a little bit about him and it turns out he has bad news bears. He has multiple felonies. He's not allowed to leave the state. He has multiple children by multiple women. Owes a bunch of child support. He's pretty much living under the grid at this point. Well, so at the time, my mom had 50-50 custody of my little sister. And I started getting phone calls of my sister saying, hey, um, mom brought me over to we're going to call him Alfredo. Alfredo. Family joke. A family <laughs> joke. Uh, so we're going to call him Alfredo. So my little sister would call from Alfredo's house and say, hey, things are getting a little bit scary. Can you come pick me up? I didn't need. 
I had no words for the fact that my mom would put my little sister because I knew everything that was going on, but I thought my little sister had this halo around her with my mom. And mm-hmm. so I started picking her up and my little sister. And at the time, I was a new adult. I had my first apartment. And so – but at the time, I started seeing the highlights of my mom is starting to expose my sweet, innocent, you know, little sister who is about to be going into high school to this mm-hmm. life that she is now living. And so um, through this coworker that I had that knew him from high school, she starts telling me like, hey, you know, this guy's a felon. Like you probably want to start looking into this. And I do. And then with my little sister calling me and me having to take care of her, it got to the point where we did an annual summer camp and my mom, same as Thanksgiving, disappeared. And so I had to take my little sister shopping for summer camp. You know, you get the big pack of bubble you know, bubble gum to share with other campmates, you know, help you make friends, yeah. your tennis shoes for when you go in the water. And so, you know, we're doing all of the shopping and we're bonding and she starts talking and I start realizing what she's describing is that at her house with her mom, she has no doors on her bedroom. She has no doors on her bathroom. There are multiple guns. Keep in mind, I'm a mountain girl. I grew up in the mountains. So uh, my stepdad heavily taught us, you know, about guns. So my little sister at the time, she's very young, but she knows a gun. And uh, so she starts listing off the type Mm -hmm. of guns that she sees laying around this house. And so, and she starts saying, you know, she starts casually bringing stuff up and she's like, yeah, this house is so messy. I hate going over here. There's this, this sauce all over the place. You know, there's beer cans, this not. And then she starts describing crack pipes. And uh, so after that point, um, At the same time, I was still a nanny and there was, you know, being in a very small town, everyone knows everyone. I started having, um, you know, co-party people of my mom's circle of people who had partied with the circle come over and be like, you know, your mom works really hard for the job that she has. Do you really think it's, you know... Um, normal, the fact that she is out until four o'clock in the morning and then maintaining this job and getting there at six o'clock in the morning. Do you think that there might be something going on? And at the time I'm in my early twenties, I'm like, I'm just now being in like enlightened to this world, like the party Mm -hmm. scene and stuff. And then, you know, hearing that of, you know, being that pickup for my little sister. And I, I got to a point where I was like, you know what, if I need to pick up my sister, I will pick up my sister. And that's it. After this, you know, we had become a little bit estranged. But that was the breaking point is when, you know, my little innocent sister who at kindergarten was at a third grade leave reading level. And, oh, you know, wow. yeah, exposing, you know, this innocent child to this. I was like, no, it's one thing if you expose us kids, you know, being meaning me and my older sister and then the later in life child. Absolutely not. Wow. So did you end up adopting your sister? Or did you help raise her? Yeah. So um, my little sister actually lived with me for a little bit, Um, not 100% solely or anything like that, where I had to worry about like her groceries or anything. But I had a schedule going with her dad where, you know, before and after school, she was at my house while, you know, everything in between where, you know, he she was at home with her dad. But essentially, you know, I was taking care of her before school, making sure she was getting on the bus and having breakfast, had, you know, all of our books together for school. And then after school, I was making sure that she was doing her homework, had a snack after school and, you know, just kind of keeping her on the right track while my mom is just doing 
God knows what. And so I'm so glad that we had my stepdad there where, you know, he was a staple part of us growing up and we were able to build that relationship. So a couple of years later, after they had separated, where we had to reconnect and be like, hey, um, I don't know if you know all of this is going on with mom right now, but mm-hmm. I'm taking care of Olivia. You're taking care of Olivia. Let's just make our own schedule. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I mean, it's, it's, it is amazing that he was a solid foundation and that you were able to help as well. Um, so I know you said you haven't talked to your mom in 10 years. Does she ever try to contact you? Do you think she's clean? Do you know anything about her right now? So we are not Facebook friends. However, um, crazily, um, every year for my birthday, she sends me a message. Happy birthday. I love you. I don't know what happened to us. I hope we can make things better. Um, every Christmas, every Thanksgiving, every Easter, she is still wanting to put on the Americana housewife mask and reach Mm -hmm. out and just say, Hey, happy XYZ holiday. Hope you're doing great. We'd love to catch up. Don't know why we don't talk. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) Have you ever considered, do you ever respond to her or have you considered to try to mend that relationship? So, so for me, uh, for a while, I harbored a lot of feelings I've come to resolution with those feelings and I've told myself that my mom did not get to live out her early 20s like I did. Mm -hmm. You know, she did not get to do that. And so after, you know, separations and kids, she finally found the opening to do that and it went a little too far for her. Um, So that's my reasoning for all of it. But once she crossed the line of, you know, interfering with my little sister's livelihood, the, the youngest, uh, after that, I, I just kind of cut all ties where I don't care where you go in life or what you do in life. If you do the best for you, great for you. If you do the worst for you, that's the worst for you. Either or, that's, that's outside of my grasp and I have no reach for it. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's definitely a great story to kind of remind people that it is 1000% okay to cut ties with toxic family members. Hell, I mean, yes. It and really I know I've yeah. talked about that like at length on this podcast, but I want to preach it from the fucking mountaintops. Mm-hmm. Like I want to rent a billboard and be like, it's okay to cut off your shitty family members. Exactly. Oh, and yeah. you know what? I I would have never thought that I would have had family because my mom, through all of this, she had family that was just like, oh, but, oh, but, oh, but, just constantly, Mm -hmm. just right there. And I'm like, why? No. Stop telling – you're enabling her. And, you know, Mm -hmm. but part of that has taught me to build my own family. So I'm like, you know what? I have my own family. I have made my own happy life. And there's even some family members of – of hers that I would love to reconnect with. But I'm like, you only know me from when I was growing up with her and you don't know the adult that has, you know, turned her back from her and, you know, been a great person since. So it's worth a shot. You never know. I mean, you know, I believe in, I believe that people can change if they want to, but I also believe that you can cut them off if they don't. I have like my biological mother is like has meth problems. So I have not had anything to do with her for a long time. And, uh, you know, that's just the way it is. It's better for me and for my mental health. 
you can forgive people, but just because you forgive people doesn't mean you have to let them back into their back into your life. Mm -hmm. And that's one of my biggest theories is you can forgive everyone you want and you can feel obsolete with yourself. And that's good. That is great to be able to forgive. But that Mm -hmm. does not mean by any extent that you have to allow that person back into your life. Well, and I, and I totally agree. And I know Allie knows, and you know a lot about my background and I'd be happy to talk about it at length on another podcast, but I, uh, like I'm really at a point in my life where I can honestly say that I have cut ties with the people that make me stressed uh, Mm. when it comes to keeping up with family. Like I have a lot of friends right now that I love more than anything in this world, but like it takes all of the energy out of me to just message, Hey, and, and I have expressed as much to them to say like, Hey, listen, I love you so much, but like, I just can't keep on on a daily basis. And like, honestly, if it wasn't for Allie, like coming over every single day, Especially before I started work, because she got software hit like 1130. So she would just like mosey over to my house and we'd hang out before the girls got off. But like, I, it has given me a lot of freedom in knowing that like, I can finally get to a point with the family members that I don't want to keep up with and knowing like, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay to let go. Like, it's, it's okay. Yeah. Dreams, and that can be your friendships as well. And you know, anyone oh, yeah. out there who is going through anything, I I don't want anyone to hear this and think, well, it's not as extreme as this. Or right. And I don't have the most extreme cases. I got very lucky. I growing up for the most part at the young ages, I had a fantastic mom. It wasn't until my later teenage years that it became bad. I had a mom who on my birthdays would pull me out of school. She would make me ride the bus into school so that my siblings thought that I was still going to school, turn around, pull me out of school, take me to my favorite restaurant, and then like let me pick a fun activity, whether we got our nails done or we go see a movie. And then she would keep me out all day. And then just before school let out, she would return me back to school. So I'd go back to class and ride the bus and, you know, go back home. No one knew the difference. But but here's the thing is like, you know, anyone that's – in my philosophy, I don't want anyone to hear this and be like, oh, it's not as bad. Like, yeah, it can be really great. You know, your abusers and the people who create trauma in your life, they can be really great. They really Mm -hmm. can. But that doesn't mean you need to keep them because if the bad outweighs the good and if people are, you know, throwing red flags, it doesn't matter how much they make it up to you, bring you flowers, you know, treat Mm -hmm. you special. And no matter what aspect, they don't have to be abusive. They can just be a bad person for your life. Like my mom, my mom was never physically abusive to me. You know, she was just a bad toxic person to be exposed to because I didn't need to think that what she was doing was okay. It's it's completely different. I had, I had a stepdad that was an alcoholic and it was just like what you're saying is like about the bad outweighing the good. Like, with my stepdad, he was a wonderful, wonderful person when he was sober, like fantastic. And uh, the problem was that he was never sober. So it was like, what's the point 
in having a relationship with him because I love him when he's sober, but he never is. Exactly. It's okay to cut those ties. It is okay. Just because there's good and bad, if that bad outweighs, cut the good and the bad out. You will find good elsewhere. Yeah. You really yeah. will. And well, I, I think, God, and those people, they eliminate your circle so bad. They really do. And you don't realize it at the time. Just just cut the ties. You think that you are going to drown, but you are going to flourish. For sure. For sure. And that doesn't mean you have to cut the ties forever. Who knows? Like maybe a mm-hmm. few years down the road, people get their shit together. They're ready to apologize. They're ready to move forward. Exactly. And maybe- you can revisit that relationship. Yeah. Give them that independent freedom. You know, you mm-hmm. always say like, oh, you know, if this person does this and I'll do that. Oh, make it happen. Just cut them off and say, you know what? I'm taking tired of dreaming of what ifs. I'm going to cut you mm-hmm. off and see what you really do. And if yeah. you really, th- you know, if you love something, let it free. Let it sail. It doesn't matter how bad or how harsh you cut that tie. You can say some things that are pretty unrecoverable. But if it is really something that's supposed to be there, years later down the road, it's going to happen. It's going to be there. But until then, just cut them off. Let them breathe. Bye. There you go. I refuse That's to a- let you breathe. I'm going to squeeze you until you die. <laughs> let people learn, I think, um, I think that's a great place no, to end you're this podcast. True. No, you, she's absolutely right. But you're absolutely right. This is a good place to end it. Now, <laughs> what I want to say is. Yes. If you think that was a juicy story, you should check us out on Patreon where Allie talks about her crazy abusive husband. Ex-husband, let's yeah, yeah, yeah no, clear. ex-husband. ex-husband. Yeah, <laughs> I have that divorce decree framed. What should we? What should we bedroom. name him? What should we name him? Dickhead. Yeah, that's a good name. I will call him that all day to Dick. Sunday. <laughs> all right, guys. All right. You know where to find us. We're on Instagram at Resting Bitch Pod. We're on Facebook at Resting Bitch Pod. We're on Apple Podcasts at Resting Bitch Face Podcast. Leave us a five star review. If you don't leave us a five star review, fuck off. And if you want to leave us a five-star review, we love you, and we'll send you a sticker. And when you guys hear this episode, the Patreon episode with Allie about her ex-husband is going to be up. So check us out on Patreon. Should be resting bitch pod, but you'll find us. There's not a lot of us out there. So come check us out. We love you. Allie, do you want to plug your your social media or no? No. 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 I didn't think so. Okay. All right. Bye, bitches. Bye.